Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everyone. It's Friday, and that means it's time for the roundup of the week's news. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm joined by producer Layla Muhammad and contributor Michael M.J. Lyle, and we got a few stories likely to linger a bit. We're talking about the casino cyber attacks, the ongoing standoff between teachers and the school district, and, wait for it, Mosquito Palooza. It's Friday, September 15th. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. MJ, Layla, welcome to Friday News Roundup. Good morning, David. Good morning, MJ. Good morning, all. What a week in Las Vegas with these cyber attacks. I, I for one, think that this is not going to be a story that goes away. And like an onion, it keeps giving us new layers of what kind of chaos is happening on the Strip. Layla, what's going on with the cyber attack? Yeah, so by all accounts, it is more chaotic than the reporting shows. But the Associated Press reported that on Sunday, a cybersecurity incident started at MGM Resorts, which is the biggest employer in Nevada. They let out a statement on Monday saying that they are receiving a cybersecurity incident and doing what they can to remedy it. And very much downplaying it. The statement was very vague, didn't Mm. say the nature of it, how it happened. And um, I mean, we're five days in now. By the time of this recording, the MGM website is still down. And the casinos look a little uh, chaotic themselves. We're seeing these giant lines and, and slot machines on MGM properties down. And it's crazy. Yeah, so the system failure is including check-in, no online check-in. They're having to manually do that at the front desk. All credit card transactions have been shut down. They're doing cash transactions at their restaurants. Slot machines are down. Um, ATMs on the property are down. And there's a great content creator, Vegas Starfish, on Instagram updating with accounts from guests and staff. The one that caught me by surprise was that the elevators are being manned and someone from accounting is like in the elevator helping guests. My gosh. (laughs) Very old school. Very throwback. What floor, ma'am? And that's what they're saying about check-in too. Like it's feeling very old school. All the systems, all the computer systems have been shut down, all the gaming kiosks. And Vegas Starfish is also saying that there has been um, some reports of credit card fraud already um, that MGM has not commented on yet. Yeah, I'd seen some reports what, of compromised driver's license data and social security information. Like, that's it's so crazy about like 
what all is going on with with these systems being compromised. Like, uh, I had not heard about the elevator portion, too. And so that caught me by surprise hearing that from uh, hearing that this morning. And so, yeah, this is bizarre. I don't know what's going to what's going to happen from here. Yeah, I mean, it's down to the minutia curtains that are on those little automatic clickers and phones and lights and rooms. They're all being impacted here. Mm-hmm. You know, who else is doing some really voracious reporting on this uh, is, is Vital Vegas. And, and he's kind of tracing not just the developments with like the investigation and the FBI and how this is impacted, you know, MGM worldwide to the point where, you know, many accounts have them losing over a billion dollars so far just in the first couple of days of the cyber attack. But the nature of the ransom, down to the fact that this unveiled uh, indirectly that there was a cyber attack or at least an attempt and ransom request from Caesars just a couple of weeks earlier. Help me figure out how we can talk about this because there's so much going on here. It, it honestly is. It is a lot. The Caesars attack was by the same um, hacker group. There's a lot of like, right. yeah, potentially. The group is called, and there's a lot of like terms in here that I'm no cybersecurity expert. So the ransomware group, Black Cat, has taken responsibility, according to some sources for this. Um, it was reported by a research group that researches ransomware on that, all that puts it online. They're saying, allegedly, a subgroup of Black Hat is responsible for MGM and a different subgroup also hacked Caesars on September 7th and got access to their loyalty program that has driver's license and social security information. Um, And Caesars said that they paid millions, not in ransom, but to get that data back. Yeah. But what I'm hearing is tens of millions of dollars are being demanded in ransom. And some of that is being paid. And there's also speculation that MGM is in a, between a rock and a hard place and that they're going to have to pay some of this off to get things going. Uh, Russian hackers, I, I heard Iranian hackers. I mean, places where, it, it, you know, we don't have jurisdiction. So is this, I mean, MJ, we've been hearing so much about the rise of AI in hospitality. Does this or should this give the industry pause when it comes to how much of their infrastructure relies on these internet connected systems? I mean, I'll do you one better. The rise of AI is making us re-examine just every facet of the every industry that we're allowing AI to take over, which is why I think there's been more calls for federal and congress- congressional action to rein in what AI can and cannot do. And so, yeah, this gives me like great pause again on like just the use of AI. If we're again, we're seeing like just the chaos and calamity it's bringing on just one specific industry right now. One thing that I'm hearing is that with all the security that MGM, since their last hack in in 2019, at least the last big one that we know about, they invested all this money in cybersecurity and consultants and all sort of stuff. But it comes down to what's purported to be human error, that they trolled LinkedIn of all places, got information about employees, called up corporate. I mean, basically said, hey, it's Bill Smith who enjoys long hikes and has been working here for three years and I lost my password. Can you send that to me? And they just like sent it out. I'm sure it's much more complicated than that, but it's still this kind of social engineering. Um, 
what I mean, it, 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 no matter how much they're spending on cybersecurity, and I understand they're uh, just listed a job couple jobs for a cybersecurity specialist MGM has on, on the internet late. looking looking for new new employees to help out. Is there anything that they can do? I mean, the human element's always going to be the weak link, Layla. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised seeing those job postings just now going up because the hack that you mentioned that happened in 2019, 10 million guests their data was breached. So you would think after that, they would try to hire a VP of cyber defense. But well, I'm I sure guess... they did. And I'm sure that person might have received a pink slip. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> if, 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 if they could like handwrite it out, I, I'm sure they're not emailing it to him. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But it's it's so interesting because you can't deny that having your key card on your phone is so useful. Your key card to access your room is so useful, so handy. You don't have to take another card in your wallet and lose it or something. But as we've heard, those are down. And again, Vegas Starfish said that one guest who had that card that they have to give out now because the mobile app is down um, to access people's room, they lost it at the pool. And now they have to have security walk them up to their room every time. So it's kind of a what do we lose when um, we make ourselves so susceptible to online attacks? But do we want to give up the convenience that yeah. making things digital? That's the whole. That's, that's the whole the question. thing, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what steps can someone do to protect their data when traveling these days? I mean, do either of you take special steps when you travel and use hotels? Yeah, I take a few. Um, I use certain credit cards and I Mm -hmm. always know how to lock those credit cards. I Mm -hmm. monitor my statements very closely. A lot of these guests who are reporting credit card fraud are saying that after they're checked out, they're seeing all of these posts and all of these transactions being made on their card. And, you know, MGM, their systems are down, so they can't really look into that. But the that's in this scenario that's one of the only things you can do is make sure monitor. you monitor your statements yeah. and can lock your card i'm in the same boat i monitor a lot but i'm sure there is a lot more that i could be doing to be more aware and be uh, uh less susceptible to cyber attacks um there's just everything's ever changing so quickly and so it's hard to keep up to mm-hmm. date with everything yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the hacker tricks I've been hearing about is that you'll see a transaction for like a penny or three pennies from the hotel that you just left. And that's a big red flag and you need to call your credit card company immediately. But boy, that vulnerability and that shutdown, there's just, you know, there's just so much to it. You know, why are there no white hats who are just hacking all the slot machines to make them pay off? Why don't we ever get those stories, guys? <laughs> Where are the white hats hacking student loan debt? Come very, on. Yeah. I'm not not saying that. <laughs> very, very true. Very true. Anyway, uh, so interesting. Well, I, I think we're going to see a lot of implications here. And I think a lot of other hotels now are going to have to fess up if this is a vulnerability. And there's probably going to be a lot of training going on as we uh, follow the story. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. 
over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas' most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. All right, switching gears, we have a new development in the never-ending battle between the school district and the teachers' union. MJ, what happened in court the other day? So when is a strike a strike? That's a good question. Uh, apparently, the <laughs> that was answered on Wednesday by District Court Judge Crystal Eller, who said that these rolling sick outs that we've been seeing at CCSD were, in fact, a strike. Even though a lot of the evidence that she pointed to was uh, circumstantial, she said there's so much of it that she thinks that they are carrying out a strike. So for those who are not in the know, over seven instructional days, there have been sick outs, rolling sick outs, were a good portion of the staff. In some cases, I think at Gibson Elementary School, there was 29 out of 33 licensed professionals had called in sick. Uh, and so we would saw that over seven days. And this was going on in the middle of ongoing uh, contract negotiations between Clark County School District and CCEA, the union for representing teachers, about pay raises. And they have not been going well, <laughs> to say the least. That is the understatement of the year. Uh, like most strikes happening across the nation, they are not going well. And so teachers have been doing these rolling sick outs. The unions say, hey, we're not behind this. We haven't been doing this. They've been doing this on this own. But on Wednesday, the judge said, actually, we think that you're kind of leading people to do these sick outs that are, in fact, a strike and strikes are illegal in this state. And so, yeah, you're going to need to stop that right now or we're going to fine you $50,000 each time. Wow. So basically, she's saying, CCEA, you may not have stormed the Capitol, but you've definitely got people all riled up to do that. Exactly. Um, so they're going to file with the Nevada Supreme Court. That's the next step that they're taking right now. Um, I do want to point out, too, that even though the judge is like, hey, this is a de facto strike, she actually acknowledged the thing that we all know, that uh, teachers feel that the district is not negotiating in good faith. They know that the state law prevents teachers from striking, and but they're not coming to the table and giving what teachers are asking for, which is just a pay raise. Like, how did we go through an entire pandemic and saying, teachers are such heroes doing all this stuff? And then like, when it came to the negotiating table, we're like, oh, we don't know if we're not gonna, we're gonna give these, these raises, especially after this legislative session, when we saw uh, $2 billion in, uh, and more in K-12 funding, and I believe $250 million directed towards salaries. And so we're not seeing the demands that the union want. We're not seeing the demands the teachers are wanting. And so this is the best option, I think, that they had to try to force the table. 
Yeah, I mean, they're definitely in showdown mode because the negotiations, like you said, MJ, aren't going really well. And it's interesting what this Supreme Court appeal could do because, you know, on the one hand, everyone knows that a strike is illegal and everyone knows that if the union is coordinating these uh, targeted sick outs, that that is strike-like enough to be improper and and, and uh, disallowed. Uh, how do you prove that? And I think that the thing in the Supreme Court is that they may lay down standards. The question is, what is the matter of proof? What is the difference between a bunch of teachers just calling in sick because they really are sick or they don't feel well and a coordinated effort to put pressure on on the on the school district? And, and, and that's really hard. And I think that the union feels like you can never really prove that we're behind it because what are you going to do? Depose every single teacher to prove that they didn't think that they had COVID, that they didn't have a really bad migraine. Uh, and that's not going to engender love anywhere in this equation. Yeah. And I mean, they can't ask the teachers to prove they're sick or like sick notes because that's a HIPAA violation. So mm. it's always interesting to me to see how they're going to prove that a whole bunch of teachers just weren't sick. Yeah, I, that's that's the challenge. And I think that's what the the union was counting on. And Judge Eller has thrown a little bit of a monkey wrench into these uh, plans, but it'll shake out somehow. I, I wonder what y'all think, though. I mean, should teachers be allowed to continue these what are called work actions? I, I, I mean, we know they can't strike lest there be a change in the law, but should that be a tactic that they somehow be allowed to do? I'm like, is it controversial to say I believe so? I mean, I believe in labor movement. And I believe that you should be able to have the ability to advocate for yourself in any means possible to make sure you're getting fair wages and fair treatment as an employee. It's complicated because I know it causes difficulties in this situation for parents that rely on school districts. Mm -hmm. Something Judge Eller also said in her opinion of like, hey, people are relying on you. But the irony is that teachers also need to actually make a fair wage so they can pay their bills, so they can put their food on the table. So like, if there's no other option and the district and Jesus Jara isn't coming to the table in good faith negotiations, like they should have a means to actually advocate for themselves. I, I see both sides. I have a sister who's a single mom and luckily my niece is college age. But if her school shut down in the middle of the week, my sister has no other childcare ready that morning. The school shuts down I mean, this really affects, I mean, low-income families, single mothers, single parents that are going to have to pivot the morning that they're, they thought that their kids were going to go to school and now school's shut down. I mean, I understand that we've been talking for years about how teachers are underpaid in Las Vegas, but it's illegal for a reason. I'm not sure that striking for uh, state employees is effective, maybe, or um, maybe it's just too disruptive for the community. Yeah. And that is the stated purpose of the law in Nevada against public employees like teachers being able to strike is that there is this sort of public interest. And I think you, you hit it right on the head there, Layla, you know, these families with the least resources being impacted the greatest from these disruptions. I think that the union may count on that because it can get people very vocal one way or the other. And it doesn't seem like they're just targeting, you know, schools in wealthier neighborhoods, although that might be an alternative to deal with that. I'm wondering, though, if if they can't strike and they can't, you know, target shut down 
uh, schools one day at a time. So what do you think legally these teachers and their union can do to exert their power as a collective to try to, you know, in some way sway fair negotiations at the salary table? I do want to back up to you because I do want to also acknowledge that this does impact the most low income and uh, marginalized communities the most. But I, what I worry is that what happens with a lot of labor movements, we put two faction, factions against each other, low income versus teacher, and like have them fight this out. When the fact of the matter is, we have a district and, and powerful administrators are mm-hmm. literally at the top of this that are not negotiating good faith. And so it puts these conversations between them. And so I think both should come together and direct their angle, anger uh, at the administrators that are not negotiating in good faith and are not actually coming to the table as they should be. Yeah, Yeah. no, I mean, certainly that has to be the union's intent. But Layla, what else do you think they could do short of these shutdowns uh, to really make their point not only heard, but effective? I mean, when I was brainstorming this, I honestly couldn't think of anything that would be, I don't want to say considered ethical, but like, I wonder if the parents can also back up the teachers. And yes. I don't want the, the teachers to be like telling the kids and getting the kids involved, but is there a way for the teachers and the parents to come together and try to work with the district or not fight the district, but get the district to give the teachers their much deserved raises? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that to me, that's a fantastic point. I mean, what if we saw thousands of parents picketing the headquarters of CCSD to show, you know, solidarity with the teachers. That would be kind of an interesting aspect of it. Not to take one side or the other. I I mean, if they're not bargaining in good faith, there are remedies through uh, labor law to deal with that. I mean, if they're engaging in unfair labor practices or not bargaining in good faith, there could be arbitration and other things too. But um, I mean, MJ, is this battle ever going to come to a resolution? Does it have to? It has to eventually. I mean, the, there are so many vacancies and pe- teachers already leaving. You're going to see that more if you're not if they're not going to address the root causes of why teachers are le- leaving and why you have so many vacancies. This issue does have to be resolved uh, at some point. I don't know exactly what that resolution is going to look like, but there has to be some type of resolution in the end because the what we have going on right now is not sustainable for teachers, for parents, for students, for anyone, for our community at large. So, But I will say in my, when I was looking into this, I saw, and let me preface this with, I hate Florida, right? <laughs> but I saw that Florida, I saw that Florida went up from 26th in the nation for teacher salary to 9th. Um, from 2020 to now. So, I mean, if Florida can do it, guys, Nevada can. We can do it. Uh, when was that? Because don't they have the state with, like, don't say gay, don't talk about black people, don't I'm do talking strictly <laughs> don't, teacher don't salary. Strictly teacher Strict- salary. Okay. <laughs> we should Just not say. model anything else after Florida. <laughs> All right. Well, whoever we model ourselves after, I mean, for the sake of the kids here in our community, uh, let, let's hope they figure out a way to stop fighting and playing games and get to fairness. All right. Well, 
Last topic is one uh, a, a little closer to home for me. It's mosquitoes. Like, look, Nevada is one of those places where people who are sick of having to deal with mosquitoes move to because of our dry climate. Uh, there's not as much of that. And we're not without mosquitoes here in Las Vegas. I mean, they come up uh, every season. But woof, I'm going to say woof. It seems like this year it's out of control for so many different reasons. There are, I mean, Facebook, the place where old people complain, uh, myself included, is <laughs> just overflowing with like, what the hell is happening with these mosquitoes in Las Vegas? People are getting bites. People are worried about West Nile virus, of course, because uh, mosquitoes are a carrier. In, in the past, it really is just like, oh, well, if there's a neighbor you have with a pool that's turned green, that's a place where mosquitoes breed and 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 fester, et cetera. But now with the big rains that we've had, the hurricane, et cetera, they're coming into your houses, you know? And uh, one of my friends uh, on, on, on the Facebook, as they say, uh, downtown Steve Franklin was uh, joking. He's like, these aren't your old school fat, slow mosquitoes. These are like your, your skinny, nervous, like meth head uh, <laughs> mosquitoes. Oh and they're biting everybody up. So, I, I mean, a yali. Can I point out the obvious that this topic Please. is, uh, this topic sucks. <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I'm here every, I'm here every week. Uh, uh, but on a serious note, like this is like, you can't talk about like, what the hell is going on with these mosquitoes without actually bringing the factor of like, climate change has really changed the game of unpredictable weather patterns. And Las Vegas, we have some unpredictable weather patterns. And so with that, yeah, we're seeing these mosquitoes just saunter in like they own the place. Uh <laughs> Yeah. I know that um the first mosquito with West Nile virus in the valley was found in Henderson. Are you seeing any mosquitoes out there, Layla? Yeah, that's been a source of anxiety for me. I haven't seen the mosquitoes, but your point about how they're like sneaking up on you this time around. Um my sister we randomly found like a huge bite on her leg recently. And we didn't know what it was because we never saw a mosquito bite her. We, we didn't even see a mosquito. But she shows up with this huge bite on her leg. We don't know what it is. And it just like looks really gnarly. And we had to look it up a few days later because it wasn't going away. And it turned out like, yes, it was a mosquito uh, bite. People online were saying that mosquitoes are all around Las Vegas. But it was hilarious because it took us a few days to even identify what the heck a mosquito bite looks like. And so, like, we're just not used to those here. And yeah. so the fact that they're like sneaking up on us and showing up and biting, terrifying. The fact they're coming in the house. I mean, I get the whole idea of like, watch out for standing water out in your yard or, you know, watch out for your, your bad neighbor who hasn't taken care of their pool for a while. But this this seems like a new aggression. I don't know if if you had to trade off uh, this mosquito infestation for some other insect infestation, what would it be? What would be your your trade out? That's a weird question, but I I don't know why it's in my head. I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> I will say, I would rather the grasshoppers. Yes. Like the amount of grasshoppers we had, 
I would take that over mosquitoes because the fact that the West Nile virus was found in Henderson in mosquitoes, that terrified us. When we found the bite on my sister's leg, we were like, oh my gosh, what are the symptoms of West Nile virus? So I would take the grasshoppers because at least they don't bite. A plague of locusts. Okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> do, do you have a, uh, a a favorite insect infestation that you wouldn't mind versus these mosquitoes? I will go with a plague of locusts, the grasshoppers. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's uh, biblical. It's okay. It's biblical. It's fine. <laughs> sure, they like scare you from time to time when you're walking and they just like fly out of nowhere. But like, I could take that. And they stay outside in their mm-hmm. own. And that's their realm. I'm walking in their realm. That's my fault. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, anything that does not come into my house and there invade my space, that's what I'll take. Bite. Doesn't bite, yeah. I'll take those giant beetles as long as they stay outside. That's stay fine. Outside, it's the yeah. inside. Mm-hmm. Look, um, my I, I get called uh, an inside cat by my partner because I don't like going out to the to the outdoors where all the buggies are. And when they're coming in my house, in my house, yeah. come on. Mm-hmm. No. Anyway, exactly. well, another great Friday news roundup. MJ, Layla, thank you so much for joining us here on CityCast Las Vegas. Thanks for having me. Thanks, David. Thanks, MJ. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our lead producer is Sonia Cho Swanson. Our producer is Layla Muhammad. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets. And I'm your host, David Figler. Special thanks to producer Natalie Rivera. Music is by OG Moose and all the kimonos. We record the show on the traditional homelands of the Nuwuvi, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, hey, go tell a friend. Leave us a review, rate the show, and subscribe to our brilliant morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Take care. You kill grasshoppers? I don't touch them. I close. They're as smart as dolphins. Yeah, Gigi will <laughs> Gigi will go after them and kill them, but I lock oh, myself yeah, well, in another room and wait until it goes away. That's a cat. That's away. a cat thing. That's yeah. a cat thing.